Welcome into another edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. Glad to have you with us. I don't know if you can smell that or not. Smells like game day to me, or at least game night. Coming up tonight, Monday night, it's the Packers and the Lions from Lambeau Field. Just a short, very easily digestible program today to uh, get you primed and ready to go for tonight's ballgame. Green Bay, of course, trying to rebound from their 36-3 shellacking at the hands of the New Orleans Saints last week at Jacksonville. Matt LaFleur knows that he'll have his hands full tonight. Anytime you're playing an NSC North opponent, it's not going to be a finesse game. It's going to be a physical game. And you could see it in that game versus San Francisco. This is a physical bunch in all three phases. So I think it, it definitely speaks to the mentality of their coach. Yeah, Dan Campbell, who made some headlines for a number of different things, including his introductory news conference and the fact that on the nameplate near his office door, it says Dan Campbell, head coach slash the dude. That's the mentality that the Detroit Lions are trying to take on. I was really impressed by what they were able to accomplish versus San Francisco. I know that the game was 38-10 at one point, but just to show that resiliency to fight back, I thought was pretty unique. A lot of times that doesn't happen in this league. And shoot, they had this opportunity right at the end of the game to go tie the game. So I think that tells you everything you need to know about the Detroit Lions. And their new quarterback as well. Somebody that the Packers at least saw last year in the playoffs. So they've certainly game planned for Jared Goff before. Rarely in this league, especially when you're talking about quarterbacks that kind of get off to a rocky start as a as a rookie quarterback. And then for him to have a great year when I was with him and then the next year leading his team to a Super Bowl. So I think he is a really good quarterback, really underrated. And someone, obviously, as you just heard, that Matt LaFleur knows very well from the time that he was the offensive coordinator under Sean McVay in Los Angeles. Now, as for his current team, the Green Bay Packers, last week, one of the things that they did absolutely atrociously until, ironically enough, Jordan Love came into the game was convert third down. They were one of the best in the NFL last year in doing that, but they went over until the fourth quarter last week against the Saints. We're always trying to uh, keep the defense off balance, and uh, it is frustrating when you, you're not out there. And no matter what's happening on either side of the ball, you got to find ways to move the sticks as an offense. So third downs are critical. Uh, staying on schedule is absolutely critical to give yourself more opportunities to get more plays so you can get into a rhythm and run your offense something else that Matt LaFleur isn't used to and it's not just him that's not used to this I mean this is a team that in back-to-back seasons his first two as Packers head coach they went 13 and 3 they went to the NFC championship game one win away from the Super Bowl they're not used to losing two games in a row which obviously they haven't done yet but I think it's a collective effort with everybody in this building you know with our personnel department with our coaches with our players just having a resilient mindset and getting back at the task at hand and I think that's one thing that you always got to turn the page and you got to focus on the next game because every game in this league is a challenge and if you don't put everything into it each and every week, you're going to get beat. And the Packers are not only beat last week, but they were beat up a little bit as well. Darnell Savage with the shoulder injury. What's his status? You know, he's progressing through. We'll give him the week to see how he feels, but he's been getting better, I would say, every day. And certainly he's a guy that we want available because he's a guy that can cover a lot of ground out there and he's got great experience, explosiveness, and uh, he's a key member of this football team. Look, we've won a lot of games around here. We've lost a few, but you move on. You know, you doesn't matter if you play incredible and put up 50 or you get blown out. You move on to the next next opponent. There shouldn't be some big drastic 
change and alteration the way that we do things, the way we practice, the way we prepare. If it's good enough to get you to this point, then it's good enough uh, from this point forward. So uh, I haven't changed any of the stuff that I've been doing. Um, obviously, you know, we got to play better. But if we're starting to freak out after one week, uh, we're in big trouble. All right, so let's talk about freaking out versus not freaking out for just a second. There were some in the national media that were wondering why Aaron Rodgers wasn't more, I guess, demonstrably upset during Sunday's game at Jacksonville against the Saints. Why wasn't he, at least in the moment, freaking out more? No, I think it's, it's just in the moment. I mean, it's sometimes some things need to be said and other times uh, not. I'm not trying to show up anybody ever. There's moments where the competitive fire comes out and needs to, and there's moments when nothing needs to be said or a private conversation. Uh, so just it's a feel. I mean, true leadership is authentic in nature, and it's a feel on when to use your voice to say what's necessary. Um, you know, there were moments where I said things to certain guys, but uh, there wasn't a lot to be said. Uh, I don't want to be demonstrative or anything. You know, I think it's a it, – it's – you know, it's it's authentic to who you are and, and also understanding what guys need in those specific times. And sometimes it's something that Aaron says from the podium. He was asked if he sometimes sends messages while he's standing in front of a microphone. You're damn right. Yeah, I mean, every time I'm up here, it's a message to all of them, to them, to Tom. <laughs> Tom freaks out as much as anybody. <laughs> to the fans. You know, when when I was on show with Jason, you know, that was spur of the moment, but I was hoping my teammates would hear and the fans would hear that we need to relax. You know, when I said in the locker room that I, I believe we can run the table, it wasn't uh, a predetermined. It was in the moment, but in the moment, it was something that I would thought about before as I looked at the future schedule, and it was queued up perfectly to say what I thought was something that could inspire the guys. Now, I wasn't trying to be inspiring, uh, especially inspiring after the loss, you know, in Jacksonville. Um, I was trying to put the loss in the context where it deserves to be put. And that is, it's not acceptable, but it's just one game. And we're not going to be held prisoner mentally by that uh, poor performance. And like I said, we're not going to change a ton of things. I don't think there needs to be wholesale preparation changes, schematic changes. You know, we had a clunker, and, and we got to play better, and I, I expect uh, that we will on both sides of the ball. Now, one player that the Packers defensively will be preparing for is someone that they know very well, Jamal Williams, who may, like he did last week, get the bulk of the carries for the Detroit Lions. As far as Aaron Rodgers is concerned, Jamal Williams is one of his, and I agree with him, by the way, one of his all-time favorite guys. I usually don't go out before the game, but uh, I'm going to look for him for sure. Uh, him and I still talk, and I have love, a lot of love and affection for Jamal. He's such a special, special guy. Adds so much to the locker room, so much energy to game day. Uh, you know, one of those guys, is, you know, there's a gaping hole. Uh, in certain areas when you lose a guy like that. It's just you can't just fill it up with one person. He's just his magnanimous personality is in you guys probably miss him here at the podium too. He's got some great one liners. Yeah, we do miss Jamal Williams. He was 
and, and I've said this before, very simply, my favorite guy that I've ever covered in any sport over the 30-plus years that I've been doing this. Uh, he always kept it light. He never took himself too seriously. And he was always just someone that if you were feeling bad about your day, spend five minutes with Jamal Williams, and you'll feel much better about yourself and he'll, I promise you, make you smile. And I know that the media in Detroit certainly is appreciating Jamal Williams and everything that he brings both on. And by the way, he's a pretty damn good running back as well. But everything that he brings on and off the field. Now, taking a look back at what transpired this past Sunday with the New Orleans Saints in Jacksonville, the Packers really never got the run game off the ground. And when you can't establish the run, trying to control the clock, trying to move the sticks, trying to create some kind of offense at times can be really difficult. Yeah, I think so. I think that's why people play that defense is to force you to commit to the run and stay with it. Uh, Based on down and distance, we weren't able to do that uh, in week one. But I think that's the kind of the cycle of the league. As I've seen a number of different cycles over the years, I was talking with a reporter for a story, you know, a few weeks ago about that. Just seeing what uh, Tony Dungy and Lovey were doing with the Tampa Two, that kind of morphed into the Seattle defense and the San San Fran doing it. Um, and then this is, you know, the Rams stuff uh, is kind of this same type of thing with more two high combo coverages and, and making you. Uh, kind of go to distance, taking away the big plays and keeping things in front of them. Now, one of the things that we've seen from Aaron Rodgers over the years is a good back and forth with the other team's defense while on the field. And I think most notably, we saw that with now NFL Hall of Famer Brian Urlacher when he was starring at linebacker for the Chicago Bears. You don't necessarily see that and haven't necessarily seen that same type of jovial back and forth with the Lions. Rodgers was asked about that earlier today. I always felt like the back and forth with Brian was uh, a couple competitors who respected each other a lot. The years against the Lions it wasn't quite the same when they had uh, Sue and Fairley and uh, some of those boys. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, affection shared by both sides. I remember especially the 2014 game. At the end of that game, the two-minute uh, kind of standoff that happened between both teams where nobody really went to the sideline. We had just got a first down to kind of ice the game. Um, those were some wars. You knew when you played Detroit during that era, it was going to be uh, going to be some tough physical games. But that was then and this is now. When Aaron Rodgers looks at the Detroit Lions secondary today, what does he see? A couple long last names. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I do uh, have some familiarity with uh, with some of those guys played against them last year. Um, you know, I think the scheme is one that uh, that can help them. They they do play uh, similar coverages to the Saints, uh, with uh, Glenn having been been over there, Coach Glenn. Um, but I think they're you know they're improving guys. I thought they uh, you know I thought they did a nice job last year of getting better, being kind of thrust into the situation. And last year they just played a bunch of man to kind of see what they had. And those guys battled and, and were aggressive. Um, and it's a new system, but I, I think their play speed is really fast. Um, you got to be smart about throwing certain balls to 
to those guys. I don't really have a lot of uh, not a lot of tape on 26, obviously, but um, you know, anytime you got young guys. You're going you're gonna to test them. Now, something that's going to happen this Sunday, or I should say Monday night, off the field, is the Packers are going to honor former general manager, the late Ted Thompson. And Aaron Rodgers and Ted Thompson almost literally started at the same time in Green Bay in 2005. Rodgers was asked earlier today his thoughts on the late Ted Thompson. I've said this always. I have a lot of uh, love and appreciation for Ted because I was his first draft pick. That was always a special bond between us. Um, you know, there's something special about that feeling. You just kind of know that the GM has got you and wants you to be here and wants you to be successful. Always appreciated that. Um, you know, I think two moments in particular stand out. One is really the first time you ever called me. It was in 2007. I was in Portland visiting some friends, and that was when there were the rumors about uh, 2007, I think it was Randy Moss. Was that 2007? And he called me personally and uh, with his accent and, and reassured me that wasn't going to happen. That was just a rumor. Um, and I remember it was one of the slower conversations. You guys know Ted. I mean, Ted was very deliberate uh, talking. And... I put on speaker so my friend who was in the car could just hear um, Ted talking, but it was a cool moment to get that phone call from him. And probably the last time I saw him uh, in the uh, in the cafeteria, there were a couple times he was in, and you knew he wasn't uh, he wasn't doing great. And it definitely tugged on the heartstrings to see him like that because Ted was always, you know, the guy moving around and. and always around and always active and always loving going on the road and the scout at heart. And to see him a little bit as a shell of himself was tough. But I went over and gave him a big hug, told him I loved him, and, and that was a cool moment. Uh, didn't think that was going to be the last time I saw him, but ultimately uh, ultimately was. Taking a look at the NFC North, the Bears and the Vikings both played yesterday to mixed results. Uh, Chicago winning at home over Cincinnati in a close one, 20-17. to And then the Vikings lose in a wild game at Arizona against the Cardinals. A back-and-forth and back-and-forth affair. Uh, at the end of it, Greg Joseph, Vikings kicker. Snap, spot. The kick is up, and the kick is no good. He missed it wide to the right. He missed it, and the Cardinals win it 34-33. A missed extra point. And now a missed field goal at the gun. And Arizona's 2-0. The Vikings fall to 0-2, the final score 34-33. This past week, some bad news for Zadarius Smith. He's been placed on injured reserve with an injury that can best be described as vague. WNFL Packers insider Mark Daniels this week was asked about Smith, who seemingly was miffed at not retaining his captaincy when the voting by players was done a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I don't know. Everyone's trying to figure out, uh, you know, the silence of the lamb uh, here, whether Zadarius <laughs> is uh, incommunicado over a rework contract that he ultimately wasn't happy with, 
fact that he's getting snubbed on all of these top whatever edge rushing lists or that he wasn't voted a captain. I think we're all trying to find reasons for unhappiness, but I think he's just grumpy because he can't bend over to tie his shoes. His back's killing him, and it's gotten to the point where the Packers have finally done something with him and shut him down for at least three weeks. Cheesehead TV's Aaron Nagler had some thoughts on Smith being shelved as well. I mean, Zadarius Smith on injured reserve, that means he'll miss at least three weeks. Um, and that's bare minimum. Who knows after that? Look, he came into camp on the non-football injury list, which means, you know, he injured whatever his happened with his back, happened during the offseason away from the facility, barely practiced during camp. I think we got him for three practices in total, never did really any teamwork, and then came out and practiced uh, that week prior to the Saints game. Never again any of the team stuff, all individual didn't practice the Friday before the game, then played 18 snaps in the game and is now an injured reserve. So I think it gave the old college try. Backs are tricky. You know, it's always kind of touch and go there. And clearly the Packers want to just shut him down and get him back healthy as, as healthy as possible before they activate him for the long term. So it stinks, but I tell you what, Sean Gary, it's time to step up. You were drafted 12th overall for a reason. This is the reason. All right, so that led to the question, what has become of Rashawn Gary? Because he didn't have any tackles at all last Sunday against the Saints. Where was he? Actually playing quite well. That's what's always funny about this. Like, if you don't make big, humongous plays that get on SportsCenter or get, you know, aggregated on social media, then it's where was he? Well, where was he? He was on the field being taken advantage of by Sean Payton against Joe Barry. There's not a whole lot Z, uh, Gary, or any of the other pass rushers could have done more so against the guys that were facing. As far as, you know, actual play, if you look, watch the tape, Gary actually played pretty darn well. He didn't have as many opportunities as maybe some of his teammates, but that's gonna, about to change because Zedarius will be down. But, you know, the man had four pressures. Uh, he was constantly uh, in the grill of whoever was trying to block him. I suspect uh, if people actually go back and watch him singularly in that game, they'll be pleasantly surprised. But like I said, because there are no big sacks, yes. no big moments for him, everyone's like, oh, where was he? He was playing pretty well, actually. So the offense had its issues, certainly. But as Mark Daniels from WNFL Radio in Green Bay was saying, you know, we saw the hashtag fire capers. Then it was fire petting. But the defense didn't look any better than the offense. And in a lot of ways, they looked worse than the defense that got Mike Pettin fired at the end of last season. So you don't fire a guy after one game. I think everybody understands that. But it does lead to the question as to whether or not the firing of Joe Barry was anything more than just cosmetic. It's a good question. I don't know yet. I think the jury's still out. Yeah, energy on the in the meeting room, energy in the practice field is, is one thing, but energy on the game field is another. That was the first time, you know, those 11 defenders outside of maybe Chris Barnes were on a field in a game that mattered. Uh, and I think there was still a lot of thinking going on. There were communication breakdowns. They were beaten at the point of the attack. All of that saps energy. Uh, and so uh, it's still, uh, as they say, a work in progress. Uh, you know, I still like the secondary, maybe outside of Kevin King. And I, and I still like, you know, the edge rushers, even without Zedarius and Gary and, and Preston Smith, 
still a little concerned about the, the ability of teams with decent offensive lines to uh, to move the Packers' defensive line, so they're just going to have to bow it up a little bit more. Uh, but uh, I'm not ready to you know, hashtag fire Barry yet. Well, Mark Daniels continued on. He was asked about one player that continues to struggle, fifth-year cornerback, as you just kind of heard him allude to, cornerback Kevin King. Yeah, he's playing his last season in Green Bay. I'm almost sure of that. And he, I wouldn't be surprised if Eric Stokes is out there in another three weeks, four weeks, playing on a regular basis opposite Jair Alexander. He's faster. Uh, he, he's got great closing speed, as he showed on the one breakup when he did get a chance. Um, so, I, yeah, I just think they're going to go that route. I mean, they're both first picks, King, uh, you know, a second rounder. But, you know, I think the future is a lot sooner than later for uh, Eric. So let's flip it around then to the other side of the ball on the Packers' young offensive line. They're really feeling the losses of all pros Corey Lindsley and David Bakhtiari, lost to free agency and injury, respectively. Lucas Patrick, again, didn't practice today. We'll go over the full injury list in a moment, but he's still in the league's concussion protocol. So what if he can't hold it down at left guard? It's either Runyon or Jake Hansen. Uh, line coach Adam Stenovich last night talked about both of those kids. You know, we did see Runyon a little bit in spot duty. Uh, thought the kid held his own. Hansen has had a really nice camp. He didn't play at all last year. He had a hip, he had hip surgery in the off season. Never was right, but he came back and uh, has been impressive. Uh, Stenovich says, you know, his movement's great. He's uh, he's got an idea of how to get the pads low and get some leverage, and he's played pretty well actually. And I, quite honestly, was a little surprised when he made the final fifty-three. But you know, the more you watched him, you mm-hmm. can understand it. So it could be either one of those two. Nonetheless, this is still a very. Uh, obtuse offensive line from what they thought they were going to have yeah. going in. Obviously, David Bakhtiari's not there. Elton held his own at left tackle, but you got a rookie center, rookie right guard, and maybe a second-year greenie, you know, at left guard with Billy Turner on the right side, um, asking an awful lot for sure. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I don't think the lines are as formidable up front as the Saints were, which will help, uh, but still, uh, it's a very weak spot on this uh, Packers starting 22. Aaron Rodgers, meanwhile, remarked this week about Lions teams of the past, how they weren't good, but they just played dirty. Well, they're trying to turn that around. New coach Dan Campbell is trying to change that mindset as evidenced in part by their frantic comeback against the 49ers last week that came up just short. Yeah, it got crazy, obviously. I mean, they score two-pointers, get the kick, score two-pointer. So Niners help out with a turnover. Mm-hmm. They're driving again. A lot. Uh, it kind of started snowballing on them. But you're right. I mean, if you ask Evan Dietrich Smith, his arm is probably still sore from when, you know, and Dominican <laughs> stomped on him. Uh, and there's been some rough stuff going on over the last couple of years. And I think it's built up out of frustration. Don't forget, Lions went, what, 20 odd years without winning in Wisconsin. Yeah. And so they were getting a little tired of it. But. That said, I mean, this is 11 head coaches for that franchise or interim head coaches since 2000. I mean, that's 11 coaches in 21 years. Do the math. They oh. just can't find a combination to get themselves competitive and start climbing out of the doldrums in this division, much less the rest of the NFL. And I don't know if Campbell's bravado and rough talk is going to be enough to tell you the truth. Yes, Jared Goffer, Matthew Stafford, but I think they got the short end of the stick. There's no Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones anymore at wide receivers. It's a bunch of kids. They lost the Cuda, their best corner. The Lions are still a year, two, three, and maybe coach number 12 away before I think they're relevant. Well, the Packers with coach number one in this cycle of relevancy, Matt LaFleur, our last opportunity to hear from him was on Friday before practice. Aaron Glenn obviously spent a long time in New Orleans. How much Dennis 
Allen influenced you see and how they run their defense? There's some principles of that defense. Uh, I'm sure they've been talking at some point this week. Uh, you can also see the influence, I, I want to say, that Aubrey Pleasant, the DB coach, has had on, on the defense. And I think this is a, you know, a physical group that is going to, you know, they're going to give us everything they got, no doubt about it. How much are you looking forward to a full Lambo for the first time in a long time? Oh, that's exciting. I think our guys will be, we'll, we'll, we will feel that energy. We will feel that enthusiasm. And so I'd ask our fans to be extremely loud. When we're on defense. Yesterday, or the guys just that much more anxious, eager to, to get out there and play? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think the extra day plays too much a part in it. I mean, we're going to play when they tell us and where they tell us to play, So, and who who, who they tell us to play. So um, certainly we you always make adjustments for that within your schedule, but as far as the impact on a game, I, I, don't, I think it has minimal because it's the same for both teams. How has Lucas Patrick's progress been this week? It's been it's been good. You know, he was out there today uh, practicing, and that's just part of the protocol. And we'll see how he responds. You know, uh, post practice. Matt, how have you seen Rashawn Gary step up as a leader of that defense, especially now with Z going to be out for a couple weeks? Well, Rashawn definitely brings a lot of energy and a lot of juice on every every time we step out on that field, and I think. You know, he is, he's still a young player, but he's got his own way of leading, and that is, he's a lead-by-example type of guy. I mean, he puts in the work. He gives great effort. You can always feel his, his energy each and every day, and uh, we're lucky to have a guy like that. What's that like having a player, a young player like that, exuding such, such confidence and, and almost veteran experience, even though he hasn't been in the league this long? Yeah, I think it's it's great. You're always looking for that when you're when you're going through the process, and you know we draft a guy like that. That that's exactly what you want to add to your football team, to your locker room, and you know, like I said, we're fortunate to have him. Regarding home field atmosphere, I once heard Pete Carroll ask, "Why did you know so much about the halftime rapper that was performing?" He says, "Because I want to know what kind of mood the crowd's going to be in the third quarter." <laughs> so, but how much of that do you pay attention to for your pregame routine? in-game scoreboards, that kind of thing for your home atmosphere? Yeah, I think it's it's incredibly important when you talk about everything that goes into it. Um, you know, I know like pre-game, the music that's being played is, is important for our players because that brings a certain level of energy to it. I think within the game, you know, the more that uh, our people can help get our fans involved in the game, I think that's, I think it's plays a, a bigger role than probably most people would even think about. What's the biggest difference in preparing for golf instead of Stafford um, as far as kind of game planning and when you watch the film? Well, I, I don't even think you can compare the two in terms of it's a totally different regime. You know, um, it's a new head coach, it's a new GM, it's a new um, coordinators so there's a just a different philosophy so I don't even want to get into the comparisons because I think they're both great in their own right. Now have Barry, I know it's, uh, like you said, different systems, but has that helped a little bit because he's had the last four years with them, or is it kind of just all, like you said, just it really doesn't matter? Yeah, no, you're talking about a, a different co coordinator there with Anthony Lynn. Um, you know, I'm sure there's different philosophies in terms of what's important to each individual coach. I know how it is with even within our staff. So, um, yeah, I, I don't put a whole lot of thought into that. 
It's always next man up, but how does Zedarius being out kind of speed up the need to develop Garvin and all these guys, you know, maybe faster than was originally planned? You're talking about one of the premier rushers in, in the National Football League. So certainly any time you lose that, that, that is a big loss. But ultimately, we have to do it within the collective effort of everybody out there. And it starts with making sure that everybody understands what we're trying to accomplish um, and the communication that it takes to go out there and perform at a high level. So I think everybody has to pick up their play in order to, you know, uh, just over, you know, overtake what we're going to miss from him. And how is Hamilton assimilating so far? I think he's done a nice job. You know, he's only been here a short time, but uh, you know, just from the the limited that we've seen in practice, he's done a great job out there. Hey Matt, who tells Zadarius that he's going on IR? Is that you? Is that Mike Smith? Who, who's purview is that? No, yeah, that would that would be Goody. Goody let him know, and certainly we're all involved with the conversations. I talked to Z after you know we told him, and um, you know he understands. And I mean, he's nobody's happy about it, but it is what it is. We need to try to get him back because he's such an impact player. Did you get the sense that after this is over, did he give you the indication that he will be all in once he returns? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's been all in. It's just hard to be all in when you're not practicing. I mean, I, I think he, he wants to be out there with his teammates. Shoot, he, he stepped in uh, during the Jets week when we were just supposed to go through individual. And next thing you know, we look up and Z's in, in the huddle. So, like, he, he wants to be out there. And uh, I know I've got confidence that, you know, our guys are pushing him not only in the training room, but in the weight room as well in terms of whatever he can get done. And, um, you know, like I said, he's such a valuable player on this football team. So he played 18 snaps in Jacksonville, I think. Uh, Preston played 38, and maybe Rashawn played 37 out of 62. Obviously, it was really hot there. Mm -hmm. what, what's kind of your target percentage-wise of playing Rashawn and Preston out of your – like, you, you want to play them – a lot, or would you like to still try and rotate those young guys in without Zedarius and I think it's all on how how the game's going. You know, if we're out there for 15 play drives, it's hard to play a guy for all those 15s because they're they're, they're going to be gassed. Um, if you're getting three and outs or or you know you're just out on the field for a few plays, it's easier to play those guys a lot longer. You know, how much time is there in between each possession? Are we having long drives on offense or, you know, is it just a short time in between? So I think all of that factors into how much each guy plays, but certainly you'd like to have, you know, uh, your, your starters out there as much as possible. Packers coach Matt LaFleur from the podium on Friday. Kickoff on Monday night football is set for 720 at Lambeau Field. Also this week, we're taking the show on the road for the first time. We're going up to the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits. And that's where we'll talk to you next, right here on the Doug Russell Podcast.